This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner on Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, and a very special page turner as we discover the people, books and ideas that have moved us the most. What does it take to turn around all the hate that you have experienced your entire life to then transform and befriend those that oppressed you? Today, you will hear the incredible story of Zelda Lagrange who grew up in apartheid South Africa and was taught to fear black people, only to end up becoming President Nelson Mandela's private secretary. In this special interview on the International Day of Friendship, Zelda shares with me how meeting and working with President Mandela changed her life, how he was not only able to forgive, but inspire those who imprisoned him, and what lessons we can take from their relationship, which are more relevant today than ever before. That's all coming up right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner on Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Zelda Lagrange was born in South Africa in 1970, while Nelson Mandela served time in prison for his attempts to end apartheid. In 1994, at the age of 23, she applied for a job in the office of the first Democratic presidency. Little did she know that that job would change her life forever. What started out as a deep fear of South Africa's first black president turned into a close friendship that lasted beyond Madiba's time in office. In 1999, President Mandela handpicked her from his personal staff to remain in his services beyond retirement. Zelda was only one of two founding staff members of the post-presidential office of Mr. Mandela from where the Nelson Mandela Foundation was established. Zelda served President Mandela in various capacities over 19 years, including executive personal assistant, spokesperson, manager of stakeholder relations, aide de camp and manager of his private office until his death on the 5th of December 2013. She has been awarded by a number of organizations for her dedication and service to the late Nelson Mandela, and she currently serves as the patron for the First for Women Foundation, non-executive director of the nonprofit Healing Hands, and serves annually as coordinator of Bikers for Mandela Day, through which she pays tribute and disseminates the lessons learnt from her former boss in a charitable way. Her best-selling memoir, Good Morning, Mr. Mandela, is a story of love and hope in which Zelda shares some of the most private and public moments during her time at the side of the international statesman. On her recent trip to the UAE, I sat down with Zelda to hear her story. I started out by asking her how she came to work for President Mandela in the first place. Yes, I um, applied for a job in his office, but in the bigger department within his office. So it was um, in a side office, let's refer to it like that. 
And um, I was busy with an interview um, at the Human Resource Department when his private secretary at the time, who was a black lady, entered and announced that she needed an assistant. Um, and I thought to myself, well, if the job is in this office, in this building, and if I could travel to, the, to Cape Town for six months of the year, which was the reason why I applied for the regional job, then I could do this job, never asking questions. And then they called me after the interview to say, well, are you interested in a job in Nelson Mandela's private office? And my only question was, you know, entailed those two things, logistics and whether I could travel. You were looking for convenience. I was looking for convenience. And um, it was really when they said, yes, both of, both of your conditions can be met. I said, I'm sold. Never thinking, of course, thinking you'll work in a president's office and you'll be part of a, a big office, 200, 500 people, whatever. That's what you expect to find in a president's office. But um, yeah, when I walked through the doors, I realized we are just five people in his office. And um, I, felt, I felt scared. I felt intimidated. I felt, well, maybe I've made a mistake. This is so interesting because... Um Actually, your family was pro-apartheid. Mm. So tell me about that. How, you know, you know your thoughts once you realised that it was a small office. Why you felt scared? Um, your family's reaction to it all. So tell me about that first. Why you felt scared? Um, I felt scared because fear was installed um, with us from a very early age. Um, I mean, apartheid was really driven by fear. Fear of what could if the black man comes to power. Fear. Um, you know that your that your security, your safety, your economic welfare would be under threat when the black man comes to power. So I was expecting exactly that. Um, we were told that Nelson Mandela was a terrorist. He was an aggressive, angry man. Yeah, he was um, full of hatred, and that's what I expected to find. So I was afraid to meet all of that. Yeah, tell me about some growing up. You know, some of those times when it was really instilled in you, like you know, a scene. You know, from from growing up where, you know, you just really felt, you know, we have to hate the black man. Mm. It's, um, you know, there was a beautiful TED talk um, by a Nigerian woman called The Single Story. Um, and it was really, you know, the apartheid regime wanted us to believe that all blacks were criminal, all blacks were dangerous, all black people were um, the enemy. Um, and, and, and it was just, it was that stereotyping that was, that was really installed um, with you from an early age to, with fear. Mm. So, so that's what you kind of believe because there's nothing else that proves anything different. You know, you, you, you don't grow up in a mixed society. They are kept separate because of this fear. Um, and, and the propaganda, I mean, it was just present on every level um, in your education system, the narrative of your history, um, the church, the uh, medical uh, fraternity, everywhere racism was practiced. So you kind of automatically also buy into it. Yeah. And so tell me then um, about the first time meeting President Mandela. What was that like for you? Because yes. you, you used to hide. Yes, the first few weeks, whenever he entered the office, of course you could hear him uh, arriving because there was uh, bodyguards that preceded his, his arrival. Um, so I would hide into my office, lock my door, and sit there until I hear him leave again. 
um, and and it was um, it was it was it, the first few weeks were very uncomfortable for me in the office, also not knowing what is expected of me. And then I nearly bumped into him one day um, as he was exiting the office. And of course, um, you know, that's also why I chose the title of my book, Good Morning, Mr. Mandela, because those are the first words I said to him. I didn't even know at that point that you are supposed to call him Mr. President. So I said, good morning, Mr. Mandela. At least I said, Mr. <laughs> um, but then um, you know, he, he, he um, extended his hand to me, wanting to shake hands with me. And immediately, you know, that, that um, triggered me because I thought he's... He, he, He's not a friendly man. Why? How can he shake hands with me? And um, then I took his hand, and I could feel the calluses on his hand from the years of hard work, of course, in Robben Island. But I didn't know it at that point. Um, I just, I was just in shock um, because you saw the kindness in his face. Um, that infectious smile of his that could light up a power station and 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 just the sincerity in his eyes um, and he really connected with me and I held onto his hand and he asked about my family and about my upbringing you were 23 um, I was 23 years of age so so young it should be illegal to work so close to a president at that age because I was also naive I was very sensitive I was all um, the Sunday Times actually in England described me as um, spectacularly ill-equipped for the job and I was I really was. Coming up next, find out what President Mandela did to Zelda that not only shocked her, but broke the ice. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. It's the page turner. The page turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95 and my special interview with Zelda Lagrange, President Nelson Mandela's former private secretary. Here she tells me what Madiba did at their very first meeting, which not only shocked her but broke the ice. And so he held onto your hand. Yeah, and he, he spoke, spoke to you. He spoke to me in Afrikaans, in my home language. Um, you know, and it was he doing that. Um, you know, he he connected with my heart, and that was what was so powerful. Um, I didn't expect him. My brain wasn't wired to to experience this. What I found in front of me, um, I was told exactly the opposite, completely the opposite of what I found there, and that he spoke to me in the in the language of the people that imprisoned him. And you know your language is special to you, so it touches your heart. And walking away from that meeting that day, I thought, you know, really, I need to know what is what what does he stand for? Why is he so friendly with me? What happened? And it started off a journey and really a metamorphosis in my life, um, uncovering and, and rediscovering what happened in my country, really. Exactly. So th- tell us a bit more about that like how that that moment transformed you that Mm. moment alone but talk to us about your journey because you spent 19 years Mm. in that office um and so how did that experience change you um the experience at first of course just set off the process um it didn't happen overnight i didn't Go, go to the office the next day as changed person. Um, I started reading slowly and having conversations with the people around me that, that were essentially at my disposal to speak to as well. So it wasn't only him, it was the other people in his office and the people that he chose to appoint, um, like his spokespeople, um, like his advisors. I, I could speak to all of them and, and fellow prisoners who were now in government 
and so it took it took time for me and then also I, I, I had to confront um, my parents at some point to say why didn't you ask the political questions why didn't you allow us the exposure of the other side of this country um, of course they you know you, you I can't blame them because they were as brainwashed as as, as, as anyone else right. um, and they weren't politically active so they were just following the mainstream it was all the cycle it was just you know happening generation yes, after generation yes 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 and because you you grow up in privilege and your privilege is protected by the system why would you vote against it or ask any questions against it if you stand the chance of losing anything so um yeah it was it was i had to have that difficult conversation with my parents and also with um uh, questioning my religion because even um you know i'm a i'm a uh, uh, um a dutch reformed uh, or how do you say uh a Protestant a Christian, and um, the, 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 in, in, in my religion, even my religion was used to approve of apartheid. They said, this is the word of God, um, that we exclude black people from our church, and um, that we are superior, that, you know, God chose us to be the superior race. Yes, so I had to go to um, one of the priests in my church who was an enlightened uh, person and in support of, of, of the ANC, the African National Congress, which is of course Mr. Mandela's party, and have tea with him and say to him, how do you, how do you, how do I reverse everything that I've been made by, made to believe? How do I do that? And it was difficult because undo, you know, your entire life's learnings, and it doesn't happen easy and fast and I am just very, very fortunate and grateful that I had the closeness of Nelson Mandela because when I struggled with a question, I could speak to him. I had the access to speak to him to say, I'm really trying to figure this out and I can't. What happened? And he would give his version, not never trying to force me to change. We never really spoke politics in the early days. So he never asked me what I voted or what my political beliefs were. He gave his opinion and allowed me to make my own conclusions. And that was the wonderful thing about him. Tell me about some of the things you asked him that you was just you were surprised by the answer. Um, it was actually the answers were very logic, a very logical way of you know, it is, it is principles, um, those are principles, um, morals and values that actually anyone could aspire to, um, that anyone could follow, anyone could emulate. Um, it is really about equality, about democracy, um, about equal rights for people, um, you know, the right of association, the right of choice, the freedoms of movement, mm. all of those things. Yeah. And, and, and once, I'm, I'm a very logical thinker. I'm a, I think I'm a, I'm, how do they say, I think it's a left brain thinker. No? Was it, I don't know which one, but um, I'm, I, I'm, I, I base all my arguments on logic. Yeah. So he could give me those explanations and it was very easy for me to change my mind. Coming up, Zelda shares how Nelson Mandela was able to forgive the very people who imprisoned him. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. It is Life Beats and you are listening to my special interview with Zelda Lagrange. Working under South Africa's first black president, she witnessed firsthand the extraordinary power of his ability not only to forgive, but to embrace the same people who oppressed him. Here, she shares how he was able to do that. 
and you spent a lot of time with him. What are some kind of scenes that that come back to you that you think about that, you know, really um, stay in your mind about who he was, how he was with people, you know, just moments that, that you know, we can see that you had seen? Mm. Um, you know what we... <laughs> It's a, a, a again. It's a story for this region that people in this region region will will truly appreciate. Um, but in um, just after his retirement, oh sorry, no, during his presidency, still it was in the late 90s. He paid a state visit to Saudi Arabia, and on this visit, of course, being Nelson Mandela, he insisted on doing certain things, which included that his staff, his secretary, accompanies him to the palace. Um, now, now it was very difficult to to um, to persuade, um, you know, the the protocol officials and the officials of the palace that um, Nelson Mandela is not going anywhere unless his secretary goes along. And um, you know, it was it was his way of showing people that um, you know I'm willing to respect um, your traditions, your culture, your religion, but also let's meet halfway. Mm. And it was the most wonderful experience for me to meet King Fahd. Um, it was just the most unbelievable thing to walk in that palace and Mr. Mandela holding on to my hand, of course. It was so uncomfortable. You always held on to your hand. No, on that particular in that particular situation, I think he did so to make me feel safe. Um, he didn't always hold on to my hand, but um, in that situation, he knew that I was very conscious of the fact that I'm not supposed to be there at that point in time in history. I was not supposed to be there, um, and 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 it was unsettling to 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 all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he was just such an easygoing person, and he didn't do so. He didn't do something like this in a forceful way. Um, when he convinced people about something, he took them all gradually with him in his thinking. Tell me about, because it's really difficult to think that somebody who went through so much could be so forgiving and so welcoming to those, mm. you know, who who were the reason why he suffered so much. Mm. So why do you think it is that he had that ultimate forgiveness? I often asked him about that. I said it's um, it's not natural. I can't I can't think you I, I can't think it's healthy actually to bottle up um, that anger and resentment. And then he would actually laugh at me um, because he said to me, there's nothing, you know, there there was no resentment or anger or blame even within him because he said having that resentment is like drinking poison, hoping that it would kill the enemy. He said, um, you know, if if he had the resentment and the anger and the hatred that we expected him to have, he would still be a prisoner. And, and, And by forgiving people, he freed not only... Um, himself but also his his oppressor and that he actually did Um, by forgiving us he freed the white man of that guilt as well your favorite moment with Nelson Mandela my favorite moment has to be the last time I saw him um, alive it was 11th of July 2013 Um, I was already in hospital and I went to visit him and it's the moment he could still wake up and he could still smile at me recognized my voice it was just the most amazing experience and that I took the opportunity um, you know to tell him that how much I loved him and appreciated him and um, when he when he eventually passed away only in December of that year um, I I was quite happy that I had that opportunity to say those things mm. and so from that experience then how do we kind of um, move forward first of all in South Africa 
you think that race relations have changed enough or more could be done? No, it hasn't changed enough. It has changed, definitely. I would be, um, I would not be telling the truth if I said that it's, there's not been progress. Unfortunately, due to social media, it feels that it has gone backwards, but it's just that um, the racism that still exists are now out, out in the open, so it feels like we're overwhelmed by it, but actually we're not. Um, on the streets daily, people live together happily. They are tolerant, more tolerant than they were 20 years ago. Um, of course, the radical political parties will try and exploit situations, any kind of racial situation. So I'm talking both sides, black and white. If you're radical, you will exploit any racist uh, um, situation. So, so um, you know, that's difficult to cope with just because we are so overwhelmed with information and, and the news and, and, and you get sidetracked. But actually, South Africa is at a very good place at the moment. Um, we have elections coming up and um, I have full confidence that our country is on a restorative path of greatness. Coming up, I asked Zelda what we can learn from her journey and transformation. And I asked her whether we'll see another Nelson Mandela ever again. You're going to want to hear her answer next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. It is Life Beats on Pulse 95 and on this, the International Day of Friendship. There is so much that we can learn from the extraordinary story of Zelda LaGrange and her relationship with Nelson Mandela. Here I ask her what we need to do to create the same kind of change in our own lives. Just from your experience, somebody who was pro-apartheid, who, you know, self-confessed racist, had racist views, and there are, you know, there are others, and, and I think, you know, globally, the idea towards Muslims can be, you know, similarly, uh, you know, in the same situation. How do we learn from your experience and learn to change? What needs to happen for that change to take place like it took place with you? I think tolerance is definitely is definitely the answer. We need to give each other permission to learn. We need to expose ourselves and those around us to all the different wonderful sides of the world and step back and think about things and think about people's right to honor their religion and their their, their rights as much as a Muslim has a right um, to, to, to uh, follow a tradition and, and, and uh, beliefs um, anyone else has. And through Mr. Mandela's eyes, I saw him, for instance, being in Saudi Arabia also once on another visit. He was going to Mecca, or he announced that he wanted to go to Mecca and, and making arrangements with the protocol, the Saudi protocol people, they told me that I wasn't allowed to go to Mecca. Um, I thought it's because I was a female and when I questioned them, they said, no, it was because I wasn't a Muslim. So I said, um, well, why is Mr. Mandela then going? Because he's definitely, a Muslim, definitely not a Muslim either. And um, it struck me then that, you know, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have told them he's not a Muslim because they firmly believed he was. And it wasn't that he did anything that could make them think that. It was really just his ability to respect people's traditions, belief, customs, whatever you want to call it. He was, he was um, able to respect the human being in its totality. 
and that made him such a great statesman and that's why people started believing these things of him confusing him you know to be a muslim it was just because he could respect people do you think we'll ever see anybody like him again we are all we all have it in us to be like him um it's not he wasn't a supernatural human being you know he wasn't a saint um he was an ordinary person that just tried much harder than most of us are willing to wow that's quite powerful mm. when you say that no it's true that it's, it's true. all it's within everybody to be like that absolutely we all have this desire to aspire to someone that's greater than us um and and i think that's why people felt so affectionate about him because he, he he showed us that you can be a forgiving human being despite what you went through you can be a respectful human being despite what you believe mm. um you can be a loving person um despite what you look like what your status wealth whatever um and he had this ability to strip a human being i say i usually explain to people it's like stripping an onion of all those layers and then that small core that you that you keep on the inside that's the part Nelson Mandela connected to in every person and that's not impossible Sharjah where we are we are based it's the emirate that's next to oh, Dubai no, we were there i was there oh were you mm, oh. i was there with him mm. you went to Sharjah yeah we were there really um i don't know what year it was it probably in the mid 2000s we were there we were really there. you went to mm. Sharjah this mm. is so interesting sorry mm. can you tell us about that why were you there um we were there to actually experience the cultural side and the and the the sounds and flavors and colors and everything of of Sharjah and um we were invited there i think by the honorary consul or something i can't remember the details i do think i write it i wrote about it in my book um we had a you know just a wonderful time being entertained there it was really one of those things that of course you know he also visited um the 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 head of Sharjah because it was by that invitation that he yes, was the ruler yes the ruler um so so um we were just we were just there to experience all of that and um it was wonderful it was really an extraordinary time wow that's that's amazing so this year in fact Sharjah is the world book capital oh really yes the world book the capital. world book capital so i want to ask you about some of the books that have really changed your life had an impact on you um well obviously i have to having worked for him i have to say long walk to freedom because you really get an understanding um of the person um I've read um I don't know the authors of these books okay so I'll, I'll quote their titles I've read The Shack a few hundred times now I think um I've read um I'm kind of how how they changed you as well and why you love them so much maybe I because I I I love um beautiful words put together and beautiful words in describing things and wisdom and that book just means so much to me even in 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 confronting my only my own belief of belief of god and um, because you know you have you think in your mind it's a man it's a this it's a that but that book um also meddles with your brain um so i really really loved that book more recently i read um 21 lessons for the 21 century also love it then there's a book called um so you've been publicly shamed which i also loved and then there's a book um the cancer the brain cancer surgeon um when breath becomes air um life changing book i also loved that i read it a few times fantastic amazing that the all books that everybody should be reading i think absolutely for fantastic. sure for sure zelda lagrange what an incredible pleasure thank you so much thank you thanks thank for having you. me
A fantastic story. Zelda LaGrange's best-selling memoir is Good Morning, Mr. Mandela. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.